The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app, as you guys well know at this point, where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Glad someone does. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and they are adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 129 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Sunday, 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 February 24th, 2019. My name is Josh Cannon. I am mentally trying to recover from three days of, of drinking alcohol. I can't I can't take it how I used to. It 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 messes me up mentally. It messes me up physically, but more well, mentally. You told me the last time you got a had a panic attack or something from doing that. Yeah, so. that was Christmas Eve. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've had. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're coming back. It's uh, it, it, the alcohol damages n- you nor- neurologically. I feel like to a certain degree yep. to where your chemicals that keep your mood and mental health in check they go all out of whack. But uh-huh. then what happens with me is I'll go like three or four days without drinking and I'll be like, I'll start to feel good again. And I'll be like, hey, yeah, let me go. You know, I'll have a few beers tonight. It'll be fun. And then the next day I'm like, I feel not so great. And then I'm like, oh, that was OK. Let me, you know, drink tonight, too. And then the second day I feel like even worse. And then if I make myself do it a third day, then then that that the third day is really when it's like. He's just walking deaf. You got to pay the piper for the consequences yeah. of your actions. Well, that's what happens when you get older. I mean, uh, I'm noticing that with certain foods and stuff. You know, I, I'm 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 going to be uh, leaning towards uh, changing my diet pretty soon because you know when you get older, you just can't eat the same foods all the time and and not gain weight. So. Yeah, <laughs> and then on top of that, like I like. You know, speaking of getting old, it's like I wake up today, I lean over from my bed and pick up my cell phone because I put my cell phone on the floor and put it on on silent when I sleep. So I'm not, you know, bothered by it or whatever. So I leaned over to pick up my cell phone and I like pull something, some weird muscle in my back, like right behind, like it almost feels like right behind where my heart would be. And uh-huh. so now I got this weird like soreness. But when I was laying in bed today, I was like, oh, my God, what if this is like a symptom of a heart attack? Because I remember <laughs> I remember uh, George yeah. Carlin, the comedian, he was doing an interview one time and he was talking about his first heart attack. And he said he said all it felt like was there was like like if I could just stretch a certain way, like this pain would go away. And that's how it was yeah. feeling with me. I was like, man, it yeah. feels like if I just... That would be pretty scary. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my God, is this like a, a angina? Is this like a symptom of a heart attack, you know? And so now I'm like panicking and then I'm like, uh, then I like got up and I move certain ways and I'm finding that if I move this way, I feel perfectly fine. Uh-huh. But if I move this way, it hurts really bad. So yeah. that's probably... Yeah, it, it's like what happened when I when I, I was lifting weights, uh, uh, I think it was like a few months ago. And I was doing squats and stuff too. Like I just I pulled, I uh, something got stretched out and pulled, and it was just like 
not good. Yeah, but like then after, <laughs> and if I moved a certain way, just like you're saying, yeah. like it, I couldn't feel hey. it. But if I moved another way, it it'd yeah. Be there. And that's that's a muscle thing. And so finally, I'm like, Josh, you fucking idiot, hypochondriac douchebag. Yeah, because I'm just imagining like you like sitting laying in your bed, just. Being like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly how it was. I mean, am I having a heart attack? Yeah. George Carlin said this. Yeah. <laughs> George Carlin, who was fifty and me only thirty, not overweight, doesn't smoke cigarettes, you know, exercises. Yeah, I I, I must be having a heart attack too, because that's where my mind goes sometimes. Yeah, because like. My whole thing is, is like, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, nah, I'm fine. And then keels over, you know, instead of going to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just a, I'm a hypochondriac. I always have been, I, I've always had anxiety. I've always worried about shit that I shouldn't worry about. And uh, now I'm worrying about the listener retention right now, because this is a podcast about uncovering unexplained mysteries <laughs> and, uh, well, unsolved mysteries, I should say, from the show Unsolved Mysteries, but uh, I don't think legally we can say that. We branch out. We do too. branch out. There's branching. I almost thought jo the John Bonet Ramsey case that we're going to be talking about, I thought that would be a branch out, personally, because I thought that it was not... Yeah, I forgot it wasn't... I forgot it was even covered on the yeah. show. It was covered in that 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 dreaded uh, season eleven. The later, uh, the yeah. later uh, seasons of Unsolved Mysteries were just. Uh, I mean, they were still the the heart was there because Robert Stack was still there, and they still had the music. But man, the aesthetic mm -hmm. was really starting to change. And yeah, they it looked like yeah. they switched to like digital instead of film, and uh, uh -huh. you know, we we're going to be also talking about Claudia Kirschhock uh, to on this episode. And that's from uh, a later season as well. That's from season eleven. This one actually wasn't from season eleven. Uh, the John Benet Ramsey. It was in, and it was in a nineteen ninety seven episode. Okay, so what season so, would that have been? Like nine? Uh, uh, yeah, eight yes. or nine. Or so something it was. Like that, it was yeah. starting to turn, but but it was starting to turn, but it wasn't to the point where it was on Lifetime. Yeah, by the time you got that. to the Claudia Kirschhock season, dreaded season eleven. Uh, it, how they that being said that case was actually still no it was a good, good case so. but it's just like some of the scenes how they filmed it i'm like looking at it yeah and you know it it, it really reminds me of how they shoot a, a lifetime tv movie yeah, yeah that or like how they shoot <laughs> um like uh as the world turns or the young and the restless yeah soap opera or sitcom back in the day it had a, it had day, a yeah, very yeah it, it had a very soap opera -y. i don't know I don't know why soap operas look filmed differently than normal shows, but they just kind of do to me. Like, they don't... Well, remember there's something called the soap opera effect, which people talk about, like, with your TVs, so you need to turn off the motion... Uh, some, I think it's motion blur or some other thing. And that's... It's called the soap opera effect, because soap operas are shot in a certain way. Yeah, it, do, it does have that, like, uh, almost like a white vignette around the edges of the screen, yeah. creating this fogginess to it. I don't know. Is that supposed to add, like, is that supposed to, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's to make it more. No, I can tell, I can tell you what Josh. it is right now, Mike. It's to make old people think that they have cataracts and that that's, that's <laughs> not on their TV. Well, speaking of something like that, when I went to buybacks recently, I was just looking around and I did pick up a few things as usual. Um, there was a lady who was looking through the bargain racks and she was all like, 
Well, I don't want to get. I don't like Blu-rays because you know it makes me sick. You know, just think of like the DVDs, VHS. You know, the quality is 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 totally fine, and and most of the time it is. But the fact that she's like, I don't like Blu-rays. They make me sick, and you know, and and and, and her and her like son was there. It's like that's you know maybe because you can't see them that well because like you need new new glasses or something. All right, so John Benet Ramsey, like we were saying before, we thought that we were uh, treading uh, non-Unsolved Mysteries territory here, but they actually did cover this case, and as Mike was saying off the air, that uh, it wasn't that great, the job they did on no. it. it. It was very, it felt very tacked on. Yeah, and it was tacked on, literally, to the end of one of the episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which I thought was kind of weird because such a high-profile case at that time, you'd think they'd at least put it in the middle or, yeah. you know, they just, it was almost like a, a side note. It was like a five-minute segment, you know. I think it's because the producers at the time and the network was pressuring them to do something on John Bonet. Yeah, like because I was... America's Most Wanted had done it and was doing it multiple times. So I, I think that's what the network was doing. Well, it was, it was a pressure uh, move by the network. I was watching uh, a documentary about the John Benet Ramsey case before doing this. And, um, you know, they had this um, paparazzi guy or, or t- this tabloid guy talking about, you know, he was working for, you know, these these grocery store tabloids that you see, you know, when you're checking out the grocery store and, and, and you know, National Enquirer and all that. And the editor would be like, I. We want a John Benet Ramsey story every week. I don't care what the story is. I don't care what details you have or don't have. We want to put that little girl's picture on the cover of our magazine yep. every week because they were selling half a, or yeah, I think it was half yeah. a million more copies a week. Yeah, during there's it. a reason why this case is one of the most infamous missing persons. You know, not missing person murder cases. The, the murderer and, uh, is missing apparently. Yeah. Well, it's one of the most infamous murder cases in 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 the history. And for something of, um, for murder, really. And this is just my opinion, but for a case that is so infamous uh, as a murder case, it sure doesn't have a whole lot of meat on it as far as details go. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's uh, you know, you you can pretty su- pretty much sum up what happened in this case in like a paragraph, and yet all of this business surrounding it for so long. You know, I mean. It is mysterious. Did the parents kill their daughter or was it some strange person? It was kind of a similar to like the West Memphis three thing. Like the murderer of these boys is still out there or, it's, yeah. you know, uh, the, the, uh, the fucking dad, that one dad, not, not Mark Byers, but, uh, I forget his name, but the stepdad, yes, the, the stepdad. Um, it's kind of similar situation to this. It's like the most obvious people to blame would be the parents. But yep. I don't know. So let's get into the uh, meat and potatoes here. We're going to be reading off of uh, the wiki here, and uh, we're going to be taking turns the best we can on it. Um, I guess I'll start off with the details. On the day after Christmas in 1996, six-year-old John Benet Ramsey vanished from her home in Boulder, Colorado, after her parents found a ransom note demanding... $118,000 for her safe return. Eight hours later, her body was found in the basement of her home. She had been struck in the head and strangled. Her father, John, 
in an apparent apparent panic, picked up her body and took it upstairs. Unfortunately, this destroyed important evidence. A lack of a secured crime scene also caused great amounts of evidence to be destroyed. As a result, many have criticized the official police investigation. Her father, John, was a millionaire businessman. Her mother, Patsy, was a former Miss West Virginia who guided her career as a child beauty queen. Investigators have considered them suspects in their daughter's murder. However, they have not ruled out a random assailant. Criminologist Prabha Unithan, because of course, if we're reading something, there's got to be an impossibly uh, to pronounce fucking name <laughs> at least five times in any article we ever read on this fucking podcast. So P-R-A-B-H-A, how the fuck would you say that in America? I don't know. Prabha. Prabha. And then last name is U-N-N-I-T-H-A-N. Unithan? Unithan? Whatever. Uh, so that this guy's a criminologist and he investigated the murder. He believes that the police may have had may have made several mistakes because they were not equipped to handle a high profile murder investigation. He also notes that stranger child homicide is a rare occurrence, which would mean that the parents should still be investigated as suspects. Now, one detail about this case that I, that I do find kind of puzzling is like the amount of money that's asked for $118,000 from a guy who's a millionaire. This is not a cheap family. Like, like $118,000, that's chump change. Like, if you were asking for a ransom note, like, wouldn't ransom from someone like this, wouldn't you be like, want a million? Or, or you know, or, or maybe not a million, I mean, like, $5,000. You know, five, $500,000, that's what I meant. $500,000. $5,000. Jesus. Maybe in, like, 1905. My brain, my brain, my brain is still waking up, folks. So, uh, yeah, like $500,000. Half a million. Yeah, 118000 doesn't seem worth it at all to, like, possibly be busted for, like, kidnapping and, you know, holding a child ransom. Se- seems like yeah. y- you'd want to make it more... You couldn't... E- but what's crazy, too, about this is that, okay, you have the ransom note, but then she sh- her dead body shows up in their home. Yeah, that's weird. It's like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, normally, like, if you have, like, for example, a ransom and someone disappears and th- their body doesn't show up in their, back in their home, that's normally not how right. it happens. Right, and one thing one of the investigators was saying is that ransom notes are usually, like, one to two sentences long. I have your kid. I want this amount of money. I'll call you later. Yeah, the ransom note was, like, Yeah, this crazy. ransom note was, was, like, two pages long of... Uh, yeah, all this handwritten shit. It's like, okay, it's like, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want to see her, 19, see, if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank when you get home. 
you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advised you to be rested. It, I mean, what? <laughs> it, 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 if we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the ran out of space, second page, money. And hence, uh, this handwriting is terrible. Uh, earlier pickup for your of your daughter. I mean, they're just even like crossing out shit. <laughs> like, like it's not even like the type of ransom letter, you know, that's like, oh, they cut pieces from a newspaper and shit. It's just fucking just scribbles. And it, it comes from someone who seems like they're like really detailed <laughs> and overly so. Like, it's like, well, what's with the hundred dollar bills, a hundred thousand dollars on hundred dollar bills, and remaining eighteen thousand and twenty dollar bills? Why? The fuck is the point? They're of that? probably going to use the smaller denominations to uh, to make it easier for them to hide or store the larger denominations because it's if. But couldn't you couldn't you just like break a hundred? Well, at if you're walking around flashing hundred dollar I mean, bills all over the place, it tends to arouse suspicion. Not if you do it in a way that's not that's you know not too well if they're trying to escape if they're trying to like make these you know expensive arrangements and it's like oh i'll give you know let me pay you and well yeah well that's the problem you know making expensive arrangements you know go and fucking pay for you know a hotel at the ritz carlton or you're pulling out all hundred dollar bills (laughs) it looks a lot less sketchy if you pull out twenty dollars yeah exactly so uh my, any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen wa- wa- watching over your daughter, uh, something particularly you or I divide, uh, some, do not, what the fuck? Do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as the police, FBI, etc., result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you taking a stray, stray, take it, talking, taking a stray dog, talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. If she dies, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices. If anyone is found, she dies. If you can try to deceive, you can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny, as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only, only one... You're not, you're not, what the f- you are not the only f- something fat one around, so don't think that killing will be di- different. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern something sense of your common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory. SPTC. Wow. That is a very elaborate ransom letter. Um, and what's also interesting about this ransom letter is that it was actually, yeah, it was very unusual for a note to be written at the crime scene. 
and police believe the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints and included an unusual use of exclamation part marks and acronyms. And the note and a practice draft were written with a pen and pad from a pa- of paper from the Ramsey home. So the note was written with a pen and a pad of paper from their house. Yep. According to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation report, there are indications that the offer of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey. However, they could not definitively prove it. Now, also, this takes place in a small town in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. Like, am I supposed to believe there's some, like, fucking underground terrorist group? Yeah, where they say murder, like, never happens there. They're they're like, yeah, this is a... uh, Yeah. They they described in the documentary I was watching, uh, like, a dream... Uh, surrounded by reality. So like Boulder, Colorado being the dream yeah. and all the other parts of Colorado being the reality. Well, even in the segment on Unsolved Mysteries, they said that John Bonet's murder was the only murder that year in that town. For the entire year. That that's that just shows you how rare this type of crime is in Boulder, Colorado. Now... Go back to the segment. There's no reenactments or anything either. So it just feels like a rehash of stuff that most people already have not what already would have known when it comes to this case. So it seems like one of those things where since there's no reenactments or anything, that it's one of those things that I guess they did to put another put some more eyes on the case, you know, maybe they might get some leads of unsolved mysteries covered it, but it just seemed like like we said earlier, it just seemed very tacked on. Um, but now we get to the suspects. Uh, John Bonet's parents, John and Patsy Ramsey, are considered suspects in her death. It was determined that the ransom note and an apparent practice note had been written on a notepad from the Ramsey home. Also, the one hundred eighteen thousand sum in the note was the exact amount of John's Christmas bonus. Oh wow. Handwriting analysis would later be unable to rule out Patsy as a writer of the note. The Ramsey's lack of cooperation with the police has also made many suspicious of the family. I would be too. Like, if you knew you were innocent, you knew that you were 100% innocent. I think you would cooperate. I would cooperate. Like, I would I wouldn't be denying any of that. I'd be cooperating fully and to the best of my ability. I wonder what their definition of lack of cooperation is. Like, how exactly did they not cooperate? You know, because, I mean, the police could be asking them to do some funky shit and they're like, I'm not doing that. Fuck you. Well, th- there's there's a possibility for that, too. But it seems like lack of cooperation means like no cooperation <laughs> at all. Uh, however, the Ramseys deny any involvement in their daughter's murder. Of course, they would. Neighbors, friends and relatives have stated that they do, they do not believe that the couple could be capable of such an appalling crime. Yeah, this this case just keeps reminding me over and over again about the case we did about the cop who went on the jog and his son was in the yeah. front yard and and yeah. the cop shot at a cat that he saw in the woods because the feral cats out there were a big problem. The bullet accidentally strikes little Billy, his son, and that that you know. It, he tries to cover he it up. He tries to cover it up. He seem, you know, he's even on the uh, episode, you know, seeming like the consummate concerned father, policeman, stand up pillar of the community. And uh, come to find out, he he actually did kill his son and threw him in the yep. police trunk and drove away. And uh, 
you know, disposed of the body and came back as though he had been out searching for him. Yep. Sociopaths. You can never tell who nope. they are. So, uh, but the thing is, I mean, I, I believe John Bonet, she was sexually assaulted. Um, and I also want to uh, say, I also want to say that if you put your daughter in beauty pageants as much, uh, you know, at, like at a young age, yeah. just in general, just my personal opinion, I think that's completely fucked up. And you want to talk about like this, like new age of feminism and this, that, and the other. I can't think of a a, a more like toddlers and tiaras. I can't think of a more <laughs> anti uh, or a more um, just uh, marginalizing women than a a child beauty pageant. Where you're, where yeah. you're basically uh, indoctrinating that child at a young age that looks matter. You being beautiful makes you better than other people, and and that yeah, child child beauty pageants are freak shows. Yeah, no, it's it, it's freakish. And anybody who thinks differently, I I would love to hear. Have what you your seen take Toddlers is. and Tiaras? No, I've not seen that fucking show. I don't give a shit about Toddlers and Tiaras. <laughs> I, I mean, if anybody's seen that, you see exactly what I mean when it comes to it being a total freak show. You you, you like how TLC, which is I'm pretty sure is the the channel that 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 premiered on or whatever. You like yes. how TLC st- used to stand for the fucking Learning Channel? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're learning about things, you know, but not 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 in the way. <laughs> Not in the way that the channel was originally founded. That, now it stands for, for sure. like, there, look, crazy. Like, <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, you had fucking Honey Boo Boo on there, and you had... Yeah, and she was from, she was popular from Toddlers and Tiaras. Oh, Chiaras. is that where that, that hell spawn came from? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that to me... Well, I mean, even the segment on Unsolved Mysteries, there's this weird, weird line that Robert Stack says. He says, the woman child or whatever. It's like, yeah, you, you yeah. know, just just because they put her in makeup and, and, and made her look like a, tried to make her look like a, a miniature woman. She was a, a, a kid at the end of the day. A kid who was being probably indoctrinated with some like shitty morals. I've always, I've always hated the over-sexualization of, of little girls. You know that that's what that is. It's creepy in the, in the pageants. Fucking, it's, it's fucking creepy as hell. And I guarantee a good amount of those judges for those pageants, they're probably fucking pedophiles. Probably if they're dudes. You know, it it's you know, and I'm speaking from a place where I don't know. So like, just take that, take what I'm saying with a grain. There's probably some that aren't, but I'm sure. Like, I'm not saying all of them are, but there are probably some male judges that well, are. No, I'm not I mean, talking about. I'm not talking about the pedophile thing. I'm talking about well, like, yeah. as I just, like, I myself am not a woman, so I'm not going to sit here and and, yeah. and speak it like I know what the <laughs> fuck I'm talking about because I don't. But I don't see how a, a woman would look at something like a beauty pageant and be like, "That's my jam, hell yeah!" Like, that's what I want to do. Like, well, I mean, for if she's of age, maybe, but I mean, like, I can't understand under any circumstance wanting to do it. So, like, I'm well, I think some of it it's 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 uh living vicariously through their daughter. Well, oh, well, that's that's a 99 percent uh factual probably thing right there is living vicariously, but like, even like Patsy, the mother, she was Miss uh West Virginia. Well, yeah, she's doing it again. You know, getting her daughter into it so she can enjoy the spoils of her daughter, so she can still get a get a whiff of that success. Just like the guys who like tan their bodies and make sure they're the perfect 
build, you know, mus- muscle wise and yeah. put all his time into themselves. I, I view them as, so you know, having sociopathic tendencies or at least extreme narcissistic tendencies. I can say the same thing about these beauty pageant moms when their daughters i feel i honestly feel like it's not a stretch to think that there's some sociopathic tendencies going on there too or extreme narcissism uh may you know to the point of if my daughter is dead all the attention it would bring me maybe i don't know well i mean that's the possibility uh but i i think my so there are there are some theories uh i'm going to cover the intruder theories there are two types of theories about the death of john Bonet. This is from Wikipedia. One is the intruder theory that was pursued by the Boulder District Attorney's Office, with whom the Ramseys developed a relationship. Although the police may have had the Ramseys under an umbrella of suspicion, they and the prosecutors followed leads for intruders, partly due to the unidentified boot mark left in the basement room where John Bonet's body was found. Okay, I could see that. Early suspects included neighbor Bill McReynolds, who played Santa Claus former family housekeeper Linda Hoffman Pugh, and a man named Michael Helgoff. Well, I mean, his name. I mean, the, 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 I mean a name like Helgoff. <laughs> he just sounds suspicious just by, by that name alone. Uh, who died in an apparent suicide shortly after JonBenet's death. Hundreds of DNA tests were performed to find a match to the DNA recovered during her autopsy. It seems like none of them matched. Smith assessed the evidence and concluded that an intruder had committed the crime. Smith, which is some guy named, I guess it's Smith, who's like an investigator. So Smith's theory was that someone broke into the Ramsey's home through the broken basement window. The intruder subdued John Bonet using a stun gun and took her down to the basement. John Bonet was killed and a ransom note was left. Why was a ransom note left after she was already killed? Like, that doesn't make any... Like, how, how is that going to work? Would, like, you, oh. you would only leave a ransom note after the fact if you were the parents killing the kid to make it look yeah. like it was someone else. If you were... Like, who the hell would do that, like, it, on the outside, a random I mean, assailant? I mean, unless the assailant was trying to plant, like, a red herring where, where they're trying to, like, blame it on some... Uh, you know, people who know John, so the police will start looking in that direction and 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 not look in the direction of some random pedo killer. Well, they weren't that smart. They weren't that intelligent. Or it was they or, just thought that we'll put the ransom note there, and even though we're leaving it after the fact, after we've already killed the 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 person that's being taken for ransom. And when they've had to have stayed in the house and found paper and pen to to do that yeah. which is you know how you ended up with the practice ransom note on their yeah. paper in their house i mean yeah. how plausible is that you know you gotta you gotta use common sense a little bit here which is something i don't have much of so this is very hard for me but i'm just thinking to myself like if it was a random assailant and that stupid ransom note you know like if the ransom note didn't exist it would be so much easier for me to believe that it was a random assailant but the fact that that ransom note exists, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't ask for a ransom and then just kill the kid eight hours later anyway. If you were, if you were, you know, these, this, this, you know, conglomerate of thugs. And also, if you were just some random guy, went to a house, killed the, the, the girl, you would not then search through their fucking house, just uh, enhancing your chances for getting caught or shot. 
if the if the anyone wakes up and you don't know if they yeah. have a gun in the house or not, getting attacked, whatever, you're gonna get the fuck out of there. Exactly. And why were you killing her in the in the house? That's the other thing. It's like that just doesn't seem. Well, I mean, that's not that, that crazy to me because if you're. If, well, I mean, usually if like if, if if that's the kind of thing where it's like that kind of stuff usually happens like with a random assailant when they when the kid is is outside of the house. Well, this you know? guy probably guys rocks off to like if this this random assailant, if this person does exist, would you know if if they're it, it's not as much of a stretch for me to think that he he did yeah, okay. it in the house because he was probably like got off to that like oh I'm in the house, but like for him to linger in the house after find paper and then you have to come up with this elaborate fucking note you have to come up with this whole scenario where you know you know how much money exactly how much money the the husband's christmas bonus was and you have to like write you know all this uh stuff about don't try to grow a brain and this that and the other like you know i mean i don't know that's just highly implausible to me well, I agree with that. Uh, Smith's theory was supported by former FBI agent John E. Douglas, who had been hired by the Ramsey family. Believing that the Ramseys were innocent, Smith resigned from the investigation on September 20th, 1998, five days after their grand jury convened against the Ramseys. While no longer an official investigator of the case, Smith continued to work on it until his death in 2010. Stephen Singular, the author of the book Presumed Guilty, an investigation into the, into the John Bonet Ramsey case, the media and the culture of pornography. Whoa, what a time. Wait, wait uh, I was right there with you on the investigation in the John Bonet Ramsey case, but then you tacked on media and the culture of pornography. Where are you going with this uh, singular? So it refers to the consultations with cybercrime specialists who believe that John Bonet, due to her beauty pageant experience, could have attracted the attention of child pornographers and pedophiles. Well, duh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming 100%. If this was a random assailant, uh, it was a total pedophile, you know, you know, it, it, it wasn't, um, if, if John Benet Ramsey had been some homeless 45 year old white guy, nobody would care, you know, living with the Ramseys, (laughs) that motherfucker would still be alive because no one would give a shit, but it was some, you know, no, if they were killed, like no one would. Sadly, no one. Well, would I don't even think they would. I, I don't think that person would even be killed. I think that she was specifically targeted because she was an attractive. Yeah. You know, not not attractive. That comes off as pedoey, but uh, <laughs> she she was a, a beautiful young girl. You know, like she, she. You know, like some people would say that comes across as she was pedoey too. The, the <laughs> child was not. You see ugly children. That's a fucking ugly kid right there. She was the opposite of that. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah That's I the know. least pedoey way I can say it. Uh, <laughs> she was the a, opposite that's how it of is. ugly. I, that's that's how you know you're just showing exactly how hard it is to to talk about you know girls that are you know in the beauty pageants and stuff like that without sounding like a total fucking creeper. So. It was determined that there had been more than 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before John Bonet's murder. There were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile kilometer radius of the of a three-kilometer radius of the Ramsey's home. In 2001, former Boulder County prosecutor Trip DeMuth and Boulder County Sher- Sheriff's Detective Stephen Ainsworth stated that there should be more aggressive investigation of the intruder theory. Okay. That lends more validity to that, that there's a hundred burglaries 
in that neighborhood. But it still doesn't explain the ransom note and all this other really overly complicated stuff. And the 38 registered sex offenders, I mean, that's not, that that does nothing for me whatsoever because, I mean, you can, you can uh, search right now in your area, wherever you live, and there'll yeah. be at least probably 30 sex offenders in uh -huh. a two-mile radius. I mean, you can... I mean, it's it, it's pretty easy to become a registered sex offender. I mean, it doesn't mean that you went out and raped well, somebody. Well, yeah, there's some people that yeah, they just got uh, screwed over. Yeah, you can got put on you can there. Ha like you can uh, you can happen upon a fucking porn site that's like you know not above board, and you don't know until it's too late that oh, this is this is some fucked up shit on here. And if if they if they ping you for that, then I mean you can be technically labeled a, a sex offender. I mean it's uh, it's yep. so there's it's so broad as to how you became a sex offender. It doesn't by default mean you you molested uh -huh. children or whatever. So one of the individuals that Smith identified as a suspect under his intruder theory was Gary Howard Olivia, who was arrested for two counts of attempted sexual exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation of a child. The charges in June 2016, according to Boulder Daily's, Boulder's Daily Camera, Olivia, a registered sex offender, was identified as a suspect in an October 2002 episode of 48 Hours Investigates. The killing of John Binet, The Truth Uncovered, broadcast by Annie on September 5, 2016, concluded that an unidentified male was responsible for John Binet's death due to DNA analysis. Dr. Lawrence Kobolinski commented that the documentary showed that that an intruder committed the, that's sexual assault and murdered John Bonet. But what about that ransom letter? <laughs> you know, that's what's got me fucked up. Yeah, I know. Why? Why is it there? I have no idea. And so now we get to the other theories, which are the family member I'll take theories. This one. I'll have Josh yeah. take that so, so give my voice a rest. Yeah. So the second group of theories is that a family member was involved in her death. Boulder police initially concentrated almost exclusively upon John and Patsy Ramsey, which is kind of the logical thing to do in a case like this. You focus on the family first to rule them out. According to Greg McCary, a retired profiler with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Statistically, it is 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or a caregiver who is involved in the death of a child. From the police's perspective, they did not see evidence of a forced entry. They saw evidence of staging like the ransom note and did not find the Ramseys' cooperation in helping them solve the death of their daughter. The Ramseys had stated in their, uh, that their reluctance was due to their fear that there would not be a full investigation for intruders and that they would be hastily selected as the key suspects in the case, according to the Daily Camera. One theory is that Patsy struck John Brunet in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and then strangled her to cover up what had happened after mistakenly thinking she was already dead. Good Lord, what a theory. However, she did not have a known history of uncontrolled anger. John Bonet's brother later said, quote, We didn't get spanked, nothing of that sort, nothing close, nothing near laying a finger on us, let alone killing your child. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like, like the mic drop moment there to rule out that theory. 
theoretically, the strangulation could have been a, quote, red herring aspect to conceal what had actually happened. Burke, who's the uh, brother, John Bonet's brother, and the son of the, uh, the parents, Burke, who was nine years old at the time of John Bonet's death, was interviewed by investigators at least three times. The first two interviews did not raise any concerns about Burke. A review by a child psychologist stated that it appeared that the Ramses had, uh, he quote, healthy, caring family relationships. In 1998, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner said during an interview with a news reporter that Burke Ramsey was not involved in the killing of his sister in May 1999. The Boulder County District Attorney's Office re uh, reiterated that Burke Ramsey was not a suspect. The investigation has never considered him a suspect. Yeah, I mean, that. No, uh, that's stupid. A $100,000 reward was offered by the Ramseys in a newspaper ad on April 27, 1997. Three days later, they submitted to a separate formal, uh, they submitted to separate formal interviews for the first time at the Boulder County Justice Center. In 1999, Colorado Governor Bill Owens told the parents of John Benet Ramsey to, quote, quit hiding behind their attorneys, quit hiding behind their PR firm. A Colorado grand jury had voted in 1999 to indict the parents. The indictment cited, quote, two counts each of child abuse and said the parents, quote, did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly, and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to the child's life or health, which resulted in the death of John Benet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16. Among the experts in the case were DNA specialist Barry Sheck. Oh, man, Barry Sheck has been in like five bajillion cases, even on Unsolved Mysteries. That's a bad mofo right there. Uh, DNA specialist Barry Sheck and forensic expert Dr. Henry Lee. On October 13th, 1999, Alex Hunter, who was the district attorney at the time, refused to sign the indictment, saying that the evidence was insufficient. This left the impression that the grand jury investigation had been inconclusive. In 2002, the statute of limitations on the charges expired. The indictment was not known publicly until October 25th, 2013, when previously sealed court documents were released. On July 9th, 2008, the Boulder County District Attorney's Office announced that as a result of newly developed DNA sampling and testing techniques called touch, touch DNA analysis, the Ramsey family members were no longer considered suspects in the case. Gordon Combs, former investigator for the Boulder City District Attorney's Office, questioned total absolution of, Ram yeah. of the Ramses. Because here's this, like DNA evidence not being there might not necessarily be like a 100% a, a of smoking gun because of the fact that they could have, you know, worn gloves and stuff like that. Um, but the, I mean, the whole sexual assault thing, that's the one where you really get like to the point where you're like, yeah, there's no DNA evidence found from the father, then that could and should potentially rule him out, so to speak, of, of the sexual assault. Um, it's one of those cases that it's just that, that like you said, it's that damn ransom yeah. note that really just... If the ransom note everything. wasn't there, I could say random assailant. Absolutely. But finding a practice ransom note in the house... Uh, and the ransom note itself and the fact that it was written in the house with their paper. I mean, how, yeah, so uh, you know, how, of, 
You'd have to either mm-hmm. do that before you killed the, 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 the girl, in which case they would, you know, it's just crazy. It just makes no sense. Maybe she wasn't, I think it's saying she was, maybe she wasn't sexually assaulted. Maybe it was just, uh, she was just killed. No, I think, I think she was sexually assaulted as well. The yeah. police the police sought yeah. to interview Burke Ramsey, who's the brother again, just to reiterate. Uh, in September 2010, according to L. Linwood, uh, high... Oh, here it is. There was no evidence of conventional rape, although sexual assault could not be ruled out. Although no semen was found, there was evidence that there had been a vaginal injury. And at the time, an autopsy appeared her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Yeah. I don't like I don't like hearing I don't like uh, hearing descriptions of uh, six year old vaginas being wiped with cloths. I know. I know. I don't even like. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. Um, so anyway, according to Ella Linwood, a high profile uh, libel attorney, uh, whom the Ramsey attorney, uh, a Ramsey family hired in 1999, um, I guess he was seeking to interview Burke Ramsey in 2012. Uh, foreign faction who really kidnapped Jean Benet by A. James Kohler, a former investigator under Boulder County District Attorney Lacey, was published. The book discounts the intruder theory and proposes scenarios of Ramsey family involvement in Jean Benet's death. Uh, the case of Jean Benet Ramsey, broadcast on CBS on September 18th and 19th, 2016. Uh, It used a group of experts to evaluate the evidence and theorize that Burke hit his sister in the head with a heavy object, perhaps not intending to kill her. It suggests that the ransom letter was an attempt to cover up the circumstances of John Bonet's death. Wood, on behalf of Burke Ramsey, filed defamation lawsuits against CBS, the producers of the program, and several of its participants based on its conclusion. Yeah, I probably would, too. I wouldn't look at the fucking little brother. No, but I mean, it, it's a it's a possibility. It's not the most plausible. It's not the most likely scenario. But I could see why investigators are thinking about going that direction, um, because that would make sense that the, somebody in the family would cover it up. You know, yeah, going through all these elaborate lengths and write that ransom note if something like that happened. But the vaginal damage, that's what really, like, there wasn't really any, like, semen that was found, so you couldn't really tie in the DNA. So the DNA evidence, that sampling that was done, that ruled out the Ramsey family, to me, that's not that big of a smoking gun at this moment, because there was no actual semen that was found. So either they could have just worn gloves and moved her around and so on and so forth. It's also really like the fact that the the crime scene was so messed up from the start. Like, who does that? Who's like, oh, my daughter's dead. I'm going to take her up. Like, who does that? Uh, See, I can totally understand that. Like, you're not thinking about, oh, this is a police investigation crime scene. You're thinking, oh, my God, you know, that's my daughter's body. Why would you take that? Why would you take the body upstairs, though? Why would you even touch the body? Like, that's my thing. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, even if it was someone I, I, I it was my son or my daughter or, or, or my, well, you know, someone that I, I, I know personally and I care about, 
I'm not touching the body. I think he. I think what, he was what, just what panicked. You know, I think as a father, you know, he just he, he was panicked and he just reacted. I I don't spite I don't spite him for that detail of the story. Like that detail never bothered me. I I I totally understand that part. Um, I don't see. That's just me personally. I don't get why you would do that, even in, in a panic situation. Like, cause that takes like a lot of, you know, I, I think that would cause even more panic. If you ask me. I mean, I guess um, if I happen upon like, I don't. You're not picking them up, right? Yeah. You're not taking them upstairs. <laughs> I mean, if it was my kid, it was like your cousin. I don't know. It's like, did he? It's like, did he know that she was for sure dead at that point? I don't know. Maybe he thought. But even at that point, why would you take her upstairs? Wouldn't you like if you thought she was still alive? Wouldn't you like leave her there and try to look in, try to see if you can feel, you know, see if she's still breathing or feel a heartbeat? Yeah, I don't know. Do some CPR on the spot, you know? Like I, I don't understand, especially and and also you don't know how what injury she has. I would be like, well, it looks like maybe she was strangled. Then I'd be like, well. She's still alive. I don't want to pick her up because she might have a neck injury. Yeah. So let's talk about this fucking weirdo, John Mark Carr. <laughs> so, okay. So this fucking, oh God. I mean, you want to talk about like a Norman Bates, just leering fucking pervert looking guy. John Mark Carr, a 41-year-old elementary school teacher, was arrested in Bangkok, Thailand on August 15, 2006, when he falsely confessed to murdering John Benet. He claimed that he drugged, sexually assaulted, and accidentally killed her. According to CNN, quote, authorities also said they did not find any evidence linking Carr to the crime scene. He had proved only basic facts that were publicly known and failed to provide any convincing details. His claim that he had drugged Jean Bernay was doubted because the autopsy indicate that no dr indicated that no drugs were found in her body. DNA samples that were taken from Carr did not match DNA found on Jean Bernay's body. So this guy is the worst kind of douche or the or somebody with an extreme mental illness. Uh, if he's the worst kind of douche, then he was willing to go. He was trying to take credit for it. Yeah, he wanted that notoriety so bad that he would be willing to, like, take on all these, like, accusations that not no. only am I a pedophile, not only would I, like, take a situation where someone's child was murdered and, and make it about myself, but it's not even true. So now I'm going to go throughout the rest of my time in society uh you know i'm what are you gonna do go on a date and be like oh your name sounds familiar oh yeah i was the guy who uh said that i had drugged and uh, sexually assaulted a little girl but i didn't actually do it i just said i did it it got a lot of media coverage back in the mid 2000s what where are you going you know i mean like what, what <laughs> This guy's like mentally ill, clearly. I mean, yeah, you know, fucking something. One hundred percent. With a also the fact that the not only you know when when the father you know brought the girl upstairs, 
that that wasn't the only thing that damaged the crime scene. Like for some reason, the police uh, or something happened there. It was all well, they up, so. they uh, they he took the father took a blanket and covered her with it, and that that you know all the fibers and stuff from the blanket yeah. could have got on her, perverting the or contaminating uh -huh. rather the scene. Yeah. I don't think that was the right. <laughs> well, a per word I, well, I was thinking perversion of justice, but yeah. Covering yeah. up or contaminating, you know. You, yeah, uh -huh. I mean, you want a secured crime scene in the sense that, it, it, you know, right when the crime happened, you want to almost freeze that in time if you can. And, uh, yeah, you know, not have anything. Well, sadly, uh, there, there's, there's another um, sad note to this case because Patsy, her mother, died of cancer at the age of 49. Sad if she didn't do it. Sad if she didn't do it, yeah. If she did do it, karma. Yeah. I don't think she did it, though. I think she might have covered it up, but I don't think she actually did it. Uh, you know, my whole conclusion about this whole thing is I don't know. I don't I, know. I don't exactly. fucking know. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We yeah. both have the same like, conclusion. I don't yeah. know. I don't know for sure. I can't completely rule out the Ramsey family. I can't do that because of the ransom note and everything associated with that and how it came to be. It came, it was put there after the fact, so on and so forth. It, there was a test uh, pad that was in, found in the home. The fact that the body was in the home, you know, all that kind of stuff. I can't really completely rule that out. Also because of the statistics of random assailants who kill little kids is not really as high as you might think well so that when i look at when i look at this situation i look at the whole motive means opportunity thing you know when it comes to a murder the yeah. ramses had the means and they had the opportunity but what's the motive and then i look yeah. at the random assailant they had the motive but did they have the means or the opportunity? Yeah. So there's missing pieces on either side, and that's the big problem. Is there some other family member that we don't know about? Well, I think that's why they kept trying to. That's not. That's, that's not, why they think they kept, were kept trying to bark up the tree of the brother. You know, is like, well, what about him? Well, you're, yeah. we're not looking at him. Well, maybe it's not the brother, like but maybe an uncle? it's someone who is is an uncle or someone who is, is or maybe someone who's close to the family that isn't a uh, actual family member that would have some kind of a motive. But what motive yeah. would you have? What what is this? Is a six year old making more money than you and is more successful? Did the six year old sleep with your husband? You know, I mean. Is it one of the pageant, you know, uh, competition yeah. competitors? Yeah, like that little bitch is always winning first place. My daughter should win first place. What motive is there? I mean, if you're a creepy assailant, the motive is that that's how you get your rocks off. That's what you get your jollies off doing. But if you're like a, a quote unquote sane, you know, member of society who is enraged and, and, and has this motive for murder, as you might call it, um, what you know where's the motive so i dude, yeah. i don't fucking know yeah it's it's a mystery and i, I think it will continue to be a mystery because it, it's just one of those things where there's not enough evidence the the crime scene was contaminated and and you re, you're just really left with a lot of well 
this could have happened or you know it's just a lot of speculation and, and just nothing but theories but the ransom note is the really just, it's a glaring thing with this case and after reading it i'm just like what $118,000 is the exact amount as 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 his uh bonus like what are the yeah. chances of that yeah so that's again that's another kind of inside job family thing but is it a coworker? I mean, is this one of those like I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. It, it just, it's, it's. I could see why this this case has has been so uh, contentious with a lot of people, and it's also still stood the test of time because of the fact that you just have all these questions. Yeah, there's like, no clear cut solution. Those are always like the most long standing murder cases. Is where is where there is a case to be made for both sides. Well, there is this. But there's also this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's 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 our take on the Jean Bonnet Ramsey case. And now a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, I'd like to tell you about a new show coming to the Sundance Now and Shutter apps, which I will tell you more about those as well, is called A Discovery of Witches. Uh, this was adapted from Deborah Harkness's best-selling All Souls trilogy. A Discovery of Witches is a modern-day love story set in a world where witches, vampires, and demons secretly live and work alongside humans, hidden in plain sight. Starring Teresa Palmer from Hacksaw Ridge and Matthew Good from Downton Abbey and The Crown, uh, Season 1 launched exclusively on Shudder and Sundance Now on January 17th, 2019 seasons two and three have already been green lit i'll tell you a little bit about shutter if you might be asking what is shutter and the sundance now things that you're talking about shutter is a premium streaming video service super serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thrillers shutter has the largest fastest growing human curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment i like that phrase uh, human curated so it's not some robotic algorithm giving you uh, a suggestion it's it's another human being that has uh selected that thing for you so uh the sundance now app is the uh is a uh, app that offers original and exclusive dramas comedies and true crime series in addition to award-winning movies from every genre including foreign language and documentary features all streaming, commercial-free. Built on the Sundance legacy and curated by acclaimed filmmakers and cultural icons, Sundance Now is proud to present an extensive array of entertainment for a passionate and intellectually curious audience. Head over to discoveryofwitchestv.com and use promo code UNEXPLAINED for a free 30-day trial of either Shudder or Sundance Now. That is discoveryofwitchestv.com dot com promo code unexplained for a free 30-day trial of either shutter or sundance now i mean you're getting free uh you know video content and this this show sounds pretty cool actually it sounds like something i would be interested in would you check it out mike yeah for sure i mean i'd definitely be interested in the shutter free trial i mean if you're a horror fan i mean go for it i mean that's that's the horror network that's basically what that is so oh really i didn't yeah, i didn't if you know like horror films and stuff like that go ahead and you get the 30-day free trial so moving on we have the case of claudia kirschhoch kirschhoch yes claudia kirschhoch uh this was uh recommended by morgan 
Morgan from Canada. And if you're a, yes. a long time listener to this podcast, she is the most mentioned listener <laughs> of not just our podcast, but of any podcast because we've mentioned her so much. We've gone into the world records of podcasts that has mentioned a single listener the most times. Yeah. So this is uh, a case that was featured in season 11. I think this is a lifetime. Sure. It looks that way. And as we've said about the, uh, the, the aforementioned season 11, uh, there were still some good cases on there and it still had like 70% of that unsolved mysteries feel, but it, or I don't know. What would you say the percentage? Sixty. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, seventy was a little generous. Um, but yeah, that's when this is when they had changed up everything. The look of the show didn't quite have anywhere near the same charm it did. They were shooting it with a completely different camera. Yeah, and you can tell just looking at some of these screenshots of like the missing poster. It's got that out of focus white, you know, filter on it. But not only that, it's just, it it's just, uh, you know, it's like they had switched to that, making it look like a more soap yeah, opera. Yeah, shot on digital. Yeah, and it was shot with digitally. And I think the budget was also cut, too. That's another part of it. Then again, though, it's kind of hard to make, like, cases that take place in sunny Jamaica look dark and creepy, like... No, exactly. You know, so I don't know how, you know, I don't know if they would have done it much differently had this been... What I like, though, is the fact that I think they actually shot it in Jamaica, the yeah, they usually always did did that kind of stuff if they could. I mean, unless, you know, like like uh, Los Angeles is or parts of California, I should say, are famous for having these like areas that look like other parts of the world, you know, where you can shoot there well, and yeah. make it. Well, I mean, in, in Vancouver, Canada, they shot, they used to shoot a lot of films there on the cheap back in the day because it looked a lot like New York. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, didn't they shoot uh, the Star Wars, all the desert scenes, like Tatooine and... Tunisia, yeah. Is that here in the United States? No. Uh, you said it was Venetia? There was like there was like one, there was one, I think there was like one shot, maybe. No, I think you're thinking of something else. Like, there's these rocks somewhere in California. They shot a lot of, the, some episodes of Star Trek, the original series was shot there. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, there was a shot that was done there, too. I think they might have done maybe some reshoots there, maybe for Star Wars, but I don't know for sure. But I know a lot of the Tatooine stuff, it was shot in Tunisia. Oh, okay. It was shot overseas. Oh. I, I probably sound like the biggest dumbass just done. Is that in America, Tunisia? <laughs> Idiot. I, I, I thought that it might be a region or something in California, folks. I, I, I know Tunisia is not a, a, a state or country that is... Uh, anyway, moving on. Okay, so... In May of 2000, New York-based travel writers Claudia Kershock and Tanya Grossinger found themselves stranded in Negril, Jamaica. Their business trip to Havana, Cuba had been suddenly canceled. According to Tanya, they were terribly disappointed. When we found out we weren't going to Cuba, we were really, really upset. I had assignments. Claudia was there on work. We were also concerned because they told us we couldn't go, and they also told us we couldn't get back to New York, which is like... What? <laughs> really? So you're basically living in Jamaica now. You can't go to Cuba and you can't go back to New York. So you're just you're you're just a citizen of Jamaica. Like, what kind of business is that? It's like, yeah, uh, uh, they don't have a fallback. They don't have a fallback plan of anything like that. It's just like, oh, well, couldn't get you to Cuba. Sorry, got canceled. You just you're just gonna have to stay in Jamaica. Can't get you back to New York. Sorry. 
reminds me a lot like what happened during the fire festival which we're going to have to talk about at some point yes we will we will it was in the lead (laughs) sorry folks you know who voted for it It was originally in the lead but the love for unsolved mysteries yes it's unabashed uh yeah it really is mike you're gonna Ah, you're going to love that. Uh, You got to watch the Hulu one because there's two. There's one that Fuck Jerry did for Netflix, and that one's apparently more partisan or... I'm just going to watch the Hulu Hulu one. But man, like seeing all those little, uh, all these millennial influencers from Instagram douching it up, being, oh, we're going to go to this island for a, a, a savage lit party, hashtag fam, and all that. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Sorry. (laughs) He really I wants do. to talk about it. Maybe that'll be next. So just prior to her trip, 29-year-old Claudia Kershaw had landed her dream job with Frommer's Travel Guides. I Never have. heard of that. Uh, they they were really big, um, obviously, uh, coming out with their travel guides. They did, like, European countries. They did all over the place. They were, like, one of the biggest when it came to if you're going to travel somewhere, buying a travel guide. Uh, I kind of feel like most other things, uh, these these kind of companies have either gone out of business or doing extremely. They're no longer, yeah, they're no longer nearly as popular because well, yeah, the internet and, and all that. I mean, and, you know, yeah. why why am I going to you know buy a book when I can just get the same information off of some sketchy website that wasn't vetted by anybody, you know? But that's that's plays <laughs> for you. So at a resort in Negril. Uh, Claudia made friends with Anthony Grant, one of the resort's bartenders. She was a big fan of reggae music, and Grant reportedly offered well, to take and her wait to a, a second. Club. She's uh, she's a fan of reggae music. That's like, I'm sorry. There is like a group of of people in Jacksonville, Florida, who live at the beach or who go to the beach, uh-huh. and it's like this whole beach life, beach culture thing. And they're all a bunch of kind of well-to-do white kids, and they all like reggae, but they don't like actual, like, original black people-originated reggae. They So so they like the reggae from, uh, what is it, what was that band from back in the day that did Red Red Wine? No, not UB40. No, th- they, like, they yeah. like what I like to call gentrified <laughs> reggae, which every single member oh. in the band is white. They all look like Abercrombie models. Yeah. That's why they might like UB40. That's I think that's why UB40, UB40 was so popular. UB40 is not the same thing were... what I'm talking about. Bands like Revolution, Stick Figure, uh, Pepper. Uh, these, okay. are, these are some popular uh, gentrified right. reggae bands. There might be like one token black guy in there, but it's usually just these like... Uh-huh. Like Abercrombie Bros with their fucking dreadlocked hair, and like, like, okay. j- just there's this group of people out at the beach here in Jacksonville, and they they're like, yeah, bro, I just fucking love reggae. It's so chill, man. Like, it's like, but and, and, and if you say, oh, but you don't actually like reggae, you like that white boy reggae. No, man, that's 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 fucked up, bro. I love me some Bob Marley and Damian Marley. Oh, okay. So you mentioned the two absolute top tier, most popular reggae artists outside of your gentrified (laughs) reggae. Congrats, man. You really, I know I sound like a big snob right now, but like that shit pisses me off because it's, it's so, it's so prevalent here in Jacksonville at the beach scene anyway. So yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I brought up the only reason why I brought up UB40 is because like it did have, no, they were, they they did have a reggae sound, but that's, that's like eighties. That's not like. 
It, I, I know you don't listen to any of these bands that I named off, and and I I'm no, but I'm just I'm I brought up UB40 because that's like a, a more like mainstream thing that a lot of listeners are probably oh yeah red red I kind of feel like yeah, I feel like even that band <laughs> has more like reggae cred to it than a lot of these like shitty gentrified reggae <laughs> bands that are out now. Okay, all right, so. Tanya managed to book a flight home and agreed to meet up with Claudia in New York City, but later that afternoon, afternoon, Claudia Kershaw mysteriously vanished from the island. Now, the this uh, rundown of the segment leaves out some things, like she went to the bar and she smoked a blunt and uh, went skinny dipping with, with Anthony. Which the uh, which tells me that Claudia there's the, a really well, yeah, good looking. Woman. By the way, yeah, we should probably get that. She's total babe, babe alert. Claudia's hot. She's very hot. And the actress who plays her in the reenactment that, that was that was a good choice. Uh, but yeah, she's sure. going skinny dipping with this um, Jamaican guy. And it's kind of, it's the way it's shot. Oh, that I know. Was the creepiest when shot they were dancing the and stuff too. Like it just looked so bad. The shot looked so bad. I'm like, what the fuck is this? They wouldn't. Unsolved Mysteries would have never shot something this way back in the day. You have to see the segment to. Well, I mean, it, it looks cheesy, but I'm I'm saying creepy in terms of the the uh, the the cre- the only creepy shot to me was the skinny dipping shot because it was so out of focus and just weird looking. Because it was like you know they're in the shadows and like you you know they got that's on the water and they got the moon in the background and who knows what kind of fucking shit could have went went on over there. Like, that's the kind of thing, like, somebody could easily get, you know, killed or something, and, like, you know, nobody would hear anything, because it's the middle of the night, and somebody could just just strangled on the water, and then just drag their body, and then, or drag them further into the ocean. I mean, to be, you know, in a foreign country, being a naive American, and within the first night of being there, you're going skinny dipping with the bartender... Who is very, yeah. and you're smoking, yeah, you're smoking a blunt you know, and so you're like impaired, yeah, like, your your senses are impaired, and you're going skating with the bartender who is very much not naive. Who God knows how long they've been bartending there, and they know the area way better than your ass does. Uh, so, yeah. I, I would not do it, you know, uh, as a as a female, yeah, I, I would not either. be doing that. Kind of, kind of used a little bit of common sense there on that one, you know. Maybe that's not a good idea. And she's 29 at the time, so it's like, you know. Unless she's a young teenager. Yeah, it's not like she's going to Daytona and, you know, oh, I've never been in this situation and I'm only 21. That was an interesting documentary, too. They talked about spring break and like how, you know, there's there's this culture around it. And then there's a lot of shady shit that happens that gets covered up. Now you got that stupid song stuck in my head. Red, red, Ryan, you would make me feel so fine. You keep <laughs> me laughing all of the time. Red, red, wine. Stay close to me, my friend. God, awful. Uh. <laughs> so, okay. So a lifeguard was reportedly the last person to see Claudia. She was walking along a local beach away from the resort. On June 2nd, Claudia's parents were notified that she hadn't shown up for work in New York as scheduled. Fred and Mary Ann Kershaw 
had an unsettling feeling when they finally reached someone at the resort. Now, the actress they get to play the mom is great. I thought she was really good in this. So, hotel maids had reported Claudia missing after noticing she had not slept in her bed for several days. But everything in her room seemed normal. All her clothes except one bathing suit were neatly packed away in her suitcase. Her passport, credit card, cell phone, and $180 in cash were recovered from the hotel safe where she had left them. Claudia's mother, Marianne Kershaw, was devastated. Claudia is a really organized, orderly person. If she was planning to go off somewhere, she would have made a phone call. She would have let us know. We felt very early on that something happened to her and that something was just not right. That's how it always is with the parents and people who know the person who goes missing. Like, and even in cases where it is confirmed that they just ran away. Like, they're always like, well, they wouldn't do that. They let us know that would never happen. She would never Claudia go would skinny never dipping and smoke a joint with a Jamaican bartender that she just met. But these are facts. <laughs> yep. As soon as they found out their daughter was missing, the Kershocks were on the next plane to Jamaica. Once in Negril, their attempts to find out what happened to their daughter hit one dead end after another, beginning at the resort where Claudia had been staying. As a security precaution, the license plates of all the vehicles entering and leaving the resort were carefully recorded in a logbook. But the logbook for the month that Claudia disappeared was missing. Very that suspicious. That is really suspicious. Then a videotape from a surveillance camera mounted near Claudia's room had been recorded over. Uh, even more suspicious. Finally, the room where Claudia stayed was cleared by housekeeping and hotel security before it could be processed for clues. Wow, that just sounds like a clear-cut cover-up to me. By the hotel. By the hotel, exactly. Maybe somebody in the hotel did it. Maybe the bartender. Yeah, I mean, if you think that the bartender doesn't know every single person that works at wherever, you know, wherever they're working, say it's like a bar or a restaurant or a hotel... The bartender is the one that's in the know about all that shit. So if anyone's going to, you know, know how to get shit, you know, covered up or swept under the rug, it would be the bartender. Because they're usually the most personable, friendly, blah, 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 blah. You know, everyone likes the bartender. Um, just like everyone thinks everyone likes a DJ, but that's not true. Uh, I can tell you that from personal experience. Not everyone <laughs> likes the DJ. Uh, could, could just be me and the fact that I'm not the friendliest person in the world sometimes, but either way. But, uh, yeah, so. I think you're a douche jack. Dude, a douche jack off, yeah. So. <laughs> Authorities had no evidence of foul play, so they began to investigate the possibility that Claudia had drowned. Uh, Denver Freighter was a detective for the Jamaica Constabulary Force. It wouldn't, Mike, it wouldn't be us police? if there really? wasn't some fucked up wording or phrasing. Const constabulary constib constibulary <laughs> this will be constipated constipated <laughs> the jamaican constipated force it's not impossible but i would say it's highly unlikely the air that area it's not deep the current is not very strong and if something should go wrong with someone there the body would be found easily yeah i agree with that i don't think she drowned i think it's not i don't think that happened Unless you got swallowed whole by a fucking shark or something. I don't know. But I think that would eventually show up. Dude, I have this... Uh, she might be listening to this episode. Uh, I have a friend that I went to high school with. Uh, her dad died by getting yeah. eaten by a shark. Wow. And they found the shark at some point 
I don't I don't remember so, how this happened. Did did they think the dad was missing yeah, for a while? Yeah, they find the shark a, a few days later or something. They cut him open and and the and the the, the dad was in inside Oof. the shark. Ooh. So that's just like uh the scene in Jaws where they find the body of I think the kid and the shark. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Mike, uh, everyone, get ready. I've never seen Jaws. You've never uh, seen I Jaws? I know, I know. What? Rest easy, my <laughs> child. This this too shall pass. I was over-exaggerating my reaction. Oh, there, okay. <laughs> Couldn't tell. Oh, wow, now my voice cracked. <laughs> so, news of Claudia's disappearance spread through Jamaica. Many Negro residents believe that Claudia chose to run away from her old life to live in the hills with a Rasta man. Fred Kershaw disagreed. We know she wouldn't do that. She had no reason to escape. As has been said, she loved her life, her family, her friends, her new apartment. Everything was going right for her, so there was nothing to escape. Of course you would think that. Yeah, but, you know, I I, I don't know. Like, to, to think that, like, you know, you're, you're in... You, First of all, they got waylaid in Jamaica. They weren't meant to be there. They were supposed to yeah, be going to Cuba. Exactly. So you you don't just make a stop somewhere when you're supposed to be going somewhere else and go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to live here from now on and not <laughs> tell anyone. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I do see. I, I do think that's rather implausible that she was just like, I'm just going to live with a Rasta man on the hill. Now that's like if my car, that's like if my car broke down like somewhere like. I don't know, on my way to Georgia and I'm stuck at a Waffle House. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm working here from now on. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to eat these fucking waffles. I'm going to start a family out here. This is what's going on. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe if you were like homeless or you were a very free spirited person that was like traveling by backpack through the country. Well, I don't know. She seems to be maybe pretty free spirited. Well, I yeah, mean, to, to be smoking doobies with random people and and skinny dipping. God, I sound like an old man right now. You're smoking doobies with strangers <laughs> and going skinny dipping. Good lord. Whatever. I am old. That's fucked up. Don't do that shit. Although weed is a very recreational drug, though, God, the amount of yeah, but I yeah, I mean, smoking doobies, you know, that that might not be that bad. But the skinny dipping thing with somebody you don't even know, I mean, uh. Mike, I hope someday you're running for some public office and someone make takes a soundbite of you going, yeah, maybe smoking doobies aren't that bad, and they just play it over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> well, by that point, if I ever did that, marijuana will probably be legal in every state, so I don't think that'd be a big deal. I'm going to use that clip some so, way to ruin you, Mike. I just haven't figured out how yet. <laughs> well, I have some other clips I could probably use to ruin you. Um, so. uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never <laughs> never said anything fucked up either on or uh, off this podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, well. um, We're not going to do that. Come on, that's stupid. So that's about as stupid as... Uh, smoking doobies and skinny dipping with some random stranger with a random jamaican so at that yeah in jamaica you know those jamaicans so and their bobsled team <laughs> so detective freighter received several phone calls from eyewitnesses who claimed to have seen claudia in the hills with a rastafarian man however each lead proved to be fruitless because the police went over there, asked the Rasta man, they were like, uh, "Did you have you seen this white woman?" They're like, "No, man, no, I didn't see the white woman. She's not here." And then that was it. 
But even if she was there, do you think they would honestly tell the truth? Probably not. I mean, I mean, it's just a babe. As as, <laughs> as, Dame, as Damian Marley once said, "Welcome to Jamrock, where poor people are killed at random, political violence starved them." Whatever. Okay. At least, you're, at least your right, your Jamaican impression is way better than anything I would try to do. So, frustrated by the progress of the investigation, Claudia's parents brought in the FBI and an American search and rescue team. According to a canine handler in the case, his dog tracked Claudia's scent to the home of Anthony Grant, the bartender last seen Claudia. Well, that makes sense. It probably, you know, he probably took her there, and you know, they they had they had some. Uh, just wonderful, sweet love. Just a night of just hot and Jesus, sweaty sex. Mike, that was one of the most awkward sentences <laughs> I've ever heard you say. I know. I, I, are you under point. duress right now, Mike? Is there a gun <laughs> pointed at you right now? <laughs> you you speak of sex like you like you're an alien from another planet, and you're having to like try to describe it like you've never heard of it before. I did that on uh -huh. purpose. I was trying to just make it, you know, just really, really oh, awkward. Okay. So what you're saying is he gave her some of his Jamaican Jamba juice. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's why her scent was there. At Grant's home, the dog also hit on a pair of boots, a pair of gloves, and a knife. All right, well, that's a little bit more uh, suspicious. While searching Grant's car, the dog also seemed to hit on Claudia's scent in the back seat and in the trunk. Oh, uh, okay. Detective Freighter recalled what followed. The articles found boots, knife, particularly the mat in the trunk of the car, was removed by the FBI evidence response team. It was taken to the FBI forensic laboratory in the States. It was checked for signs of human blood, and nothing was found. So did they just do it? Like in, in the trunk and everywhere else? Well, Mike, you mean to tell me in, you've in never had hot trunk sex? In the car? <laughs> uh -huh. is that like a is that an acronym for uh butt sex is that what that is no no i mean you you you, you get naked in the trunk you you close it you have sex so none of the stink can escape and uh i mean then it must be a pretty big trunk oh, if it's a fucking <laughs> buick roadmaster yeah you could have two couples in there you could be swinging you could host a swinger party in a fucking buick trunk this is a Jeep. Well, whatever. It's all that's all logistics at this point. <laughs> so Anthony Grant was investigated and polygraphed, but the results were inconclusive. According to Detective Freighter, Grant was not is not considered a suspect in Claudia Kershaw's disappearance. We interviewed him for several weeks. We just don't find enough evidence to in any way believe that Grant is involved in her disappearance, other than that he was associated with her. The Kershocks have struggled to keep the search for Claudia alive despite dwindling leads and diminishing support. They have offered a $50,000 reward in the case. Now, there's some comments here. I've often heard the FBI polygraph of Anthony Grant was inconclusive. They said that was incorrect. He failed the polygraph. I know because I administrated wow. the test. Uh, Dave Seuss's comments. Oh my God. Just... <laughs> <laughs> okay, someone else. <laughs> Somebody else said this, not us said the comment just said hooked on bbc there is no need for her to return to america 
<laughs> and if you don't know what BBC is an abbreviation for, then you'll have to figure it out. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Hooked on BBC. There's no need for her to return to America. It's a lot different than being hooked on Fox. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, then you got, I am an investigator in Florida. I'm very much interested in this oh, case. Oh, Florida. I have an 85% success rate, and I'm willing to go solve this case, which I think I can find out what happened to Claudia. I charge a fee. Yes, I am expensive, but I always provide closure to clients oh, who bullshit. want to know Alexander. about what happened to a loved one. <laughs> if the Kershocks want a true answer, they can contact me at through whatever. Instead of a reward, let's find out what happened to her by old investigator methods. I have the ability to find people by my methods and sometimes they are not friendly inquire inquires. Please put me in touch with the Kershaw so I can give them closure. Alexander Sharp, the third Florida. I think something happened in the hotel. Whether it was a bartender or someone else, I think something happened in the hotel. And in the hotel, because it's the Sandals Resort in Jamaica, I mean that's a huge tourism spot. And in Jamaica in Jamaica, a good chunk of Revenue comes from tourism. So I, I, I feel that, you know, something happened. Um, possibly uh, Anthony Grant might have done it, but then maybe someone else might have done it. And uh, then, you know, stuff was uh, cleared up, uh, uh, covered up by the resort. Yes, there are people that get killed and kidnapped in uh, America all the time. Um, I don't think, you know, that, 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 I mean, some people are like talking about like, nobody's going to boycott Jamaica because of if this case showed up. I mean, honestly, I think some people would, some people would be like at the Sandals resort. If there was a murder there, there was some white woman, attractive young white woman who was murdered and raped and killed in the Jamaican Sandals Resort. I'm pretty sure there would be a lot of people would be like, well, I'm not going to Jamaica for my holiday well, this year. This one uh, commenter here, Melissa Vasquez, she says, I just arrived from Jamaica last night. I stayed in Montego Bay and reading this story breaks my heart. I am too from New York and witnessed a lot of mistreating with the Jamaicans. They play such a great role of respect, trust, bless up. The words they use, um, but they are so quickly to harass you for money and be very persistent when they want something. And when they hear the answer, no, they become a different person. Jamaica is, in capital letters, not safe for any young women to travel there alone. I loved the island, but I think once is enough. I, too, left the resort because the staff saying how safe it is to do so. Uh, maybe she meant unsafe. She goes, uh, and I got caught into a little mix-up with a few, and they demanded money from me, or otherwise they would have to use force. Hope one day justice is served for Claudia. Oh, that definitely does uh, lend some validity to some of the things some, that we've been Some circumstantial about. validity. I mean, you know, it's just one person. Yeah. So I said some. Someone's saying here, <laughs> I wonder if she was sold into a sex ring. He couldn't, he, or he wouldn't have had to kill her to do that, and the fact that her scent was in the trunk, uh, that can't be overlooked. Maybe the back seat, but you know, maybe that's why everyone huh. tried to cover the crime, because they potentially all profited from her being sold. That happens oh. all the time, where... Well, there's a sex trafficking case that's going on in Florida with Robert Kraft, no good Patriots yeah. owner. Give me something. Give me something new for fucked up Florida shit. I'm tired of all this Florida talk. But, but it kind of isn't to me. new. 
the sex trafficking in in a day spa? Yeah, sex trafficking has been going on in Florida forever now. One of my friends was sex trafficked. I mean, it's it's you know, give me something new. I need. I'm not trying to downplay sex trafficking. It's fucking awful. It needs to stop. And it's sick. And it's disgusting. And all those people are pieces of shit. But uh, you know, give me like a fucking I don't know a volcano erupts in Florida and kills a bunch of people or some (laughs) shit like. Like a confirmed uh, UFO landing that lands in the in the middle of Jacksonville. Like a crackhead and, a, and an alien get into a fight over a food stamp or something. <laughs> like, give me something like that. That's something at least unique, you know. That would be great. I would love that and fucking that news that headline. And just have an image of like a crackhead and the alien slap fighting. Yeah, over, a, a, you know? a small gray and a crackhead. Just, just going at it for an EBT card. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's uh, the end of the podcast. Seems like this one's gone on a long time. Two hours. Yeah. Fuck me. Uh, Claudia has been declared legally dead Damn. in May 2002 after a judge declared that she would not have left on her own accord, but she has never been found. She'd be 47 now if she was still alive. So this case is still unsolved. I think something happened in association with the resort. There was somebody there that stayed there and killed her. Uh, or the sex trafficking theory actually isn't that. No, not far-fetched. at all. That's a possibility as well. All right, folks. Well, that's the end of this podcast. It was a pretty action filled, stuffed up. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Talking to me about awkward. Well, like I'm that. just that was kind pretty of awkward, too. Did somebody have a gun put to I'm your just head like, for that? I'm losing my, my mental, uh, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm being kind of hungry, honestly, kind of thinking about that a little bit more. You're not you when I'm you're not. hungry, Josh. So anyway, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can join our group, our Facebook group at Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Just go to Facebook and type it in. I don't know if we're in some kind of algorithm right now or whatever, but it will go like a few weeks with only getting a few people here and there that want to join the group. And then out of nowhere, we'll get like this massive influx of people trying to join our group. And none of these motherfuckers answer the question, are you joining this group because you listen to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast? People, I'm not going to. I mean, there's sometimes I might let you in, like, say, if you're from like another country and maybe you'll listen to the podcast, you know, and build our base out there. But if you're just some doofus joining our group because you think that we're solving all the mysteries of the world i'm that's not what the group is for and it's not for posting goddamn 9-11 conspiracy memes either <laughs> i totally missed this that guy one. like joins our group and that. like he instantly starts spamming the fucking group with his 9-11 you know a steel beam melts at this temperature jet fuel only burns at this temperature <laughs> Uh, you know, and then all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, if he had posted just one of those, it would have been like, okay, tear them apart group, you know, like do what you will. I don't give a shit. But the dude posted like two or three in a row. And it's like, bro, you know, even if you do listen to our podcast, if we did an episode on the nine 11, which I really wouldn't want to do, We're but if not we doing- did we are not doing period I mean, end of discussion that it's not if we ever did like happen. you know then there's no if what i'm saying hypothetically <laughs> if we did then i could see you maybe posting one of those because it's 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 uh, related to what we talked about but if you're just going in the group trying to push some fucking agenda that you have you know or some kind of rhetoric of 
whatever, then no, then stay away from our group. You will be banned instantly. I hate that shit. This is not a, a platform for you to push any kind of whatever. It's a friendly, it's a friendly community of people to talk about unsolved mysteries and podcast related shit. So got it. Anyway, um, what else? Oh, okay. uh, contribute, consider contributing to us on Patreon. You get the podcast early and some other uh, perks here and there. That's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, and if you want to catch us separately, but entertainingly and equally, you can go to, uh, you can find Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy and his latest video, I believe still is a rant on the KFC RoboCop commercials, which there is a fair amount yep. of B-roll where Mike just breaks down RoboCop and the many failures and successes. And so make sure you stick around for that at the end of this podcast. Um, I'm just I'm running excited? out of steam. This is two <laughs> hours of talking for me. And you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Uh, I do all kinds of videos, but uh, uh, the the idea well might be running a little dry. No, I'm just joking. It, it looks like the idea well is running dry by the last video I did. I taste tested a 15 year old can of uh, Budweiser water. Um, so, you know, you got Mike r ranting about Robocop being KFC ads and I tried a 15 year old can of water. We're both doing stuff, so that's that's special. I just thought it would be interesting because A, I didn't know Budweiser made canned water, and B, the can was 15 years old. So what would a 15-year-old can of Budweiser emergency water taste like, and was there anything weird found in the can? Well, go over to my channel and watch that video and find out. But until next time, we will talk to you uh, later. Uh, have a safe rest of your week. Don't die, don't cry, and goodbye. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, my band Dancing with Ghosts' new album is finally complete. The name of the album is Hex. I've taken all my best songs and put them onto one album. Some tracks have been remastered. Some have been remixed. Some songs are completely new, like the one you're hearing in the background. Plus, Stephanie, the second lead singer of this band, has been added to all the songs that were previously off my first album, Koi and Escazi. There's new artwork, pictures, lore. That's right, I said lore. And lyrics to every song in this eight-page booklet. This album is exclusively available in CD format right now on Bandcamp.com. No Spotify yet. The link is available in the bio of this podcast. Also, Stephanie and I will happily sign any album that is purchased. Thank you again for your amazing support.
and Sundance. Uh-huh. I remember that having that channel back when I still had cable. Uh, I remember they always had like real indie, you know, kind of like s- stuff that you couldn't find on the mainstream yeah, channels. Yeah, if you want to uncover some independent uh, potential gems. Yeah. Then- and that's kind of where all like the great movies are nowadays. They're all almost all independent films as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah, you still got the big Hollywood studios doing the Marvel stuff, but uh, I don't know, man. To me, in the 90s, when like uh, you could go to the theater and see something like a Pulp Fiction or something like that, uh-huh. they're just not making those kind of movies in, in big theatrical releases anymore, I don't, yeah. I don't believe. Uh, yeah, you're right. So I would say, uh, speaking of 90s, uh, check out mid-90s, Josh. Have you seen that yet? No, what is that? It's a drama. Uh, it's actually directed by Jonah Hill, and it takes place in the 90s, and it's got a 90s aesthetic. Uh, yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. Is that on like Netflix or something? Or I think it might be. I, it came out on DVD and Blu-ray already. It's got some good reviews. It's got it, it's a uh, takes it's uh, focusing on the skater culture and stuff like that. Um, looks really good, actually. Cool, pretty good. Yeah, so I saw that uh, the Robo. I, I watched your video, the RoboCop KFC thing, because I figured it would be something that you were definitely going to go off on. Yeah, and uh, I had never actually seen the uh, KFC RoboCop commercials, and uh, I- I've never seen a more uh, blatant attempt to shoehorn some random IP into a, a damn chicken commercial in-, yeah. in my life. Like, how the fuck does Robo RoboCop even fit in like? And then it's like, it's like KFC is a fucking corporation that sells fried chicken. Like, why are they trying to be like funny and, and cool and like down with the kids? Well, they did stuff like that before. They tried to do it with Norm MacDonald as the colonel. That's been sort of yeah, their new advertising but that, gimmick. That, that like made more sense because like he Reba was... Reba McIntyre. Because he was actually dressed like the colonel, like yeah. Colonel Sanders. But then they had Reba McIntyre who's dressed like Colonel Sanders as well. Oh, so they're um, so they're going. Their whole gimmick is, oh, let's let's get it crazier and crazier with who we yeah, make Colonel Sanders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is like the craziest. Like, where are they going to go from here? Uh, here's my problem. You know, honestly, the, the, those ads are just cringe-inducing to me. It, I, I know a lot of people have said, have said, well, the character's already been drugged through the mud, as it is. Like, this isn't any worse. No, it is. And the reason why is because it's officially licensed. MGM. Uh, allowed KFC to use the RoboCop name officially for this. The other chicken ad that everybody keeps pointing out about is unofficial from South Korea. There's no official licensing anywhere. It doesn't even have a TM. Uh, South Korea commercials were infamous for you know copyright infringement and using uh, copyrighted music in their ads. So uh, yeah, that's not even an official ad. Uh, that being said, that because it's not official, the South Korean ad, the what the hell fried chicken, that that that's actually got a certain charm to it. It's got that knockoff charm to it, you know, uh, just like Robert Cop, the toy, the toy knockoff of RoboCop. Instead of RoboCop, it's Robert Cop. You know, it's got that sort of knockoff charm to it. The KFC ads are insulting because Peter Weller. The, the actor who played RoboCop and RoboCop and RoboCop 2, he's actually voicing RoboCop in these ads. Is he in the suit? And no, I don't think he's in the suit. I think it's someone else. Mm. 
And what's really frustrating, not just because of him, uh, what's really frustrating about him voicing this uh, Robocop in these ads is that he has had a history recently of just saying, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do interviews, new interviews for a documentary on the Robocop films. I, I don't want anything to do with the new Robocop sequel, Robocop Returns. And then he goes and does this. And the director of Robocop Returns, Neil Blomkamp, who did District 9, he sent out a tweet after these ads came out. It was like, this is a problem. And I agree with him. Because this is just showing Robocop in a very negative and just completely uh, pathetic, embarrassing light uh, leading up to uh, the new film, if it ever does come out. It's not a good way to to uh, market uh, the character. It's not a good way to get him back in the public eye. And if you ask me, and that argument annoys me anyway, because if the character needs to be put back in the public lo- public eye in this way, then that's that's just a bad thing. I mean that 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 means that the character is so far out of the public consciousness that it needs to be turned into a joke in order to get anybody to care about it. And I don't think that's the case with RoboCop. You don't see that with Back to the Future. You don't see that with uh, Indiana Jones or Rocky or any of this other, or any of these other franchises, these IPs. You don't see that with the Terminator. A good friend of mine, he did a vlog and he was ranting about it. He's like, you don't see ads with the Terminator selling Subway sandwiches, you know? Yeah, so how... How have they dragged uh, RoboCop's name through the mud previously? Because to my knowledge, there's only okay. there's only three RoboCop movies, okay. right? All right, all right. So you have RoboCop three, which uh, changed the franchise from a hard R to a PG thirteen. Uh, Peter Weller didn't come back. Instead, he had Robert John Burke who put on the suit. He sounds like he uh, is slow in the head. <laughs> he is given just really just absolutely cringe-inducing shitty dialogue that's just about as cringe-inducing as, com- as these commercials. Uh, uh, he's doing like a half-assed Adam West impre- impression. You know, so so like Adam West, Batman, you know, so like puns like that. So he's like, don't count on it, chum. You better call the fire department. You know, just really lame fucking shit that Robocop never did in any of the other movies. In Robocop 2, he did some lame uh, stuff, but the reason why he was doing it was because he was had all this programming that was put into his head by OCP to make him more politically correct. So that's actually funny. That's a nice bit of satire. But in RoboCop 3, there's no new programming or anything. He's just saying these stupid puns. Uh, gets his ass kicked throughout the movie way too goddamn much. And it's just such a, it's just a really lame movie. Really lame sequel. There's a reason why I was held back from release for two years. Now, after that was RoboCop the series which continues this further emasculation of the character. Okay, so you have... Now he's, instead of fighting uh, worthy villains, he's fighting Dick Tracy rejects like Pudface Morgan and a few other people and shit like that. And he can't shoot people because it's for TV, so he's doing trick shots and shooting foam and, and all this kind of stuff. Now here's the pro- here's here's the good thing about there's one good thing about this series. There's a couple of good things. Some episodes aren't that bad, and the actor who plays RoboCop, uh, Richard Eden, is clear is easily the second best actor to ever play the character. So there's that. Okay, at least there's that little shining light there in Richard Eden. 
And I don't mind the actress Yvette Napar who plays the new uh, partner for, for Robocop because Lewis was not able to come back and they changed a character around, had a different partner for him. I've seen worse live-action TV series, but I've also seen better. Didn't last very long. It was Canadian-produced, I think, and it only lasted a season, but it was like extremely expensive, so that's a big reason why it only lasted a season. After that, there's a long uh, dearth of RoboCop-related content until RoboCop Alpha Commando, which was an animated series, that for some reason decided to, okay... Turn RoboCop into Inspector Jagoff, which I like to call, you know, which is my uh, way to uh, insult Inspector Gadget, because that's honestly what they're trying to do here. They turned him into Inspector Jag Gadget, which might as well be Inspector Jagoff, had rollerblades plop popping out of his feet and toilet paper rolls popping out of his ass and parachutes and shit and all this other dumb fucking crap. Uh, that was officially licensed by MGM. Uh, I, I forgot what. I think it aired on UAP, UPN, I think. It's got a really lazy intro for the cartoon. It's just RoboCop, <laughs> RoboCop, <Wow>. RoboCop. <laughs> That's really all the, it, the the music is for for the intro for that for that show. It takes place in the future, of course. You know, it's it's fast forward even farther into the future. And for some reason, the designs of everybody is just weird. Like, RoboCop looks like he's on steroids and he has a pinhead. Yeah, it's just not very uh, aesthetically pleasing uh, a show. I only seen the, I only saw a few episodes. I hated them, uh, even when I was a kid. And uh, I'm not looking forward to revisiting that series anytime soon. After that was Prime Directives, which was a miniseries that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. It was also Canadian produced. I was really looking forward to it. It was like, oh, it's a RoboCop show after all these years. It's on the Sci-Fi Channel. And this was on the Sci-Fi Channel, still had a reputation, if you ask me. And it was a good one, uh, not a bad one. So I was excited for it, and it was extremely disappointing. It's laughable. Uh, he fights like a Batman villain, basically, named Bone Crusher, or, or Bone Machine, that's his name. He might as well be... He looks like... Not 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 a Batman villain. He looks like a Black Scorpion villain, which is a TV show that uh, aired was produced by Roger Corman, which featured uh, it was a knockoff of Batman featuring a woman as uh, Black Scorpion, this vigilante uh, crime fighter, and it was a knockoff of Batman uh, the the nineteen sixty six uh, TV series because it had puns and it had villains that were similar to that, and Adam West was even in it in one episode. So, yeah, Bone Machine, and then he fights a, a black RoboCop named RoboCable, and he's all like, it's hammer time! Well, you know, because it's got a hammer, and it's just it's just wow. an awful show. Paige Fletcher plays RoboCop in this, and play, Paige Fletcher is really good in The Hitchhiker, which is a great anthology show, but he is just absolutely miscast here. He's too short. I call him Robo Midget. Because he's way too fucking short to play the character of RoboCop. And RoboCop's supposed to be intimidating, and he's not intimidating at all in the series, um, in, in this particular miniseries, uh, Prime Directives. Then after that, it was RoboCop, which I like to call, uh, that's my name for the RoboCop remake in 2016, which was 
trying to do something different, but did it in such a boring way that it might have might as well have not even bothered with it. There, it's just lazy. It's lame. Uh, there's way too much uh, extraneous dialogue. Uh, the it copies certain elements from the first film and does them so horribly that it, it's insulting. Uh, they they throw in like little sort of references here and there, and they have certain characters like you have Alex Murphy and and you have Lewis, but instead of a woman, it's a black man, and he does jack shit in the film. Like Officer Lewis actually did way more. I than feel like I just opened film. the floodgates right now. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, he doesn't because the thing is, he doesn't do jack shit. So what's no, I'm the saying, point? I'm saying that's not no, racist I don't, I don't, to say I'm that. I'm saying you know. like, as in like, <laughs> I just wanted yeah. like a brief synopsis of how RoboCop was dragged. You're not going <laughs> to get a brief synopsis of how he gets dragged through the mud from it. It's not happening. <laughs> you just you care too much about the character to to uh, let I that do. happen. Uh, um, um, so anyway, so the remake, I saw that in IMAX on, on opening weekend and it was one of the worst theatrical experiences I've ever had. Uh, the HD didn't help at all. And even Michael Keaton couldn't save it. And I love Michael Keaton. Even his performance in this as a villain is pretty lame. Uh, and he's like the villain only because the screenplay says so, because the other villain who replaces, uh, Kurtwood Smith's immensely entertaining Clarence Boddicker uh, from the 1987 film. This guy, he's, he might as well be nothing. He's just, he's just air. Like, and, and, and how he gets killed is, is lame. And it just seems like it was a whole, this buildup for nothing. And one of the, speaking of lame, the lame, one of the lamest things about the movie is the lead. Joel Kinnaman can't act worth a shit. He has no charisma and when he's Alex Murphy, so when he dies and gets put into the machine, it's a whole bunch of who gives a shit. I don't really see that much of a difference between the character. <laughs> you know, he was he didn't have any emotion when he was a, a human, and he doesn't have any emotion when when he's when he's RoboCop. So there's no fucking difference. Anyway, uh... and. It was PG-13, so that's another fucking nail in the coffin. Like, really? You're not learning from your mistakes? You already fucked up with RoboCop 3? Now you're gonna, all these years later, you're gonna do another one It's gonna be PG-13? So then, you have these fucking KFC ads. Which, unlike those other things, at least they were uh, trying. You know, at least trying to take things somewhat seriously. They failed, but at least they were trying to take it seriously. And the KFC ads, it is officially a joke. And that's what really makes it, to me personally, the worst uh, to date uh, when it comes to an incarnation of the character. I know some people disagree. They'll say, oh, well, it's, 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 it's not as bad as those because it's a joke. And to me, that's exactly especially, the problem. Especially when he's like, ho, ho, it's a ho, joke. ho, 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 Like, that's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even funny. It's not even like, it's just LOL random humor. There's no punchlines. There's no real jokes. There's a countdown ad where he does a countdown to this couple, this family that's watching the original for some reason on TV. And he's like, you have 10 seconds to comply and buy this meal from KFC. And it shows me that the writers of KFC, they didn't even watch the movie. They didn't even watch RoboCop. 
Because if they did, they'd realize that that's not even anything that RoboCop does. It's something that the Ed 209 robot does. The Ed 209 is saying, you have 10 seconds to comply. RoboCop never said that shit in any of the movies. So they got the fucking character wrong in that way, too. As a friend of mine, he left a comment on my rant video that I thought was really good. And he was saying that if they like had like Kurtwood Smith come back and reprise his role as Clarence Boddicker and he steals the secret recipe and then Robocop grabs him and then throws him through a bunch of windows again. That'd be funny. I would actually laugh at that because that's a reference to the 1987 film. That's respectful. It's not fucking random nonsense of bullshit. It's not Peter Weller as Robocop saying hungry boy, you know, is and, and any of this dumb shit. Like that would actually be funny because there's actual there's there's an actual attempt at a joke there. There was no jokes here. It, it's just fucking random bullshit. Uh, on another note, so uh, go ahead. Amy Lee from Evanescence is hot as shit. Anyway, no, she um, is. It, I don't know what that has nothing. to do with anything. Just, but okay, I, somehow <laughs> you as you were. Uh, you were in an you were in an evanescence. Uh, As you were going uh, on your there. diatribe about uh, Robococ, I uh, started. I don't know. I somehow got on looking <laughs> up a, a, a Amy Lee from Evanescence <laughs> on Google. Just I wanted to see what she looked like nowadays because I'm reading through all my old rock magazines uh-huh. in the shitter uh, to see if there's anything interesting in there I could make a YouTube video on. Um. Yeah, because as you see from my most recent video of me taste testing old water, I've, the idea well has run kind of dry. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so testing. Yeah, uh, so I'm uh, I'm trying to find ideas, and I saw I read an article on Evanescence from like 2003 when they were just like breaking out with that song "Bring Me to Life" or whatever, which is actually featured on the Daredevil soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, dude, she was, like, fucking, I think she was, like, 20 when when they came out with that album and that song. And I'm just like, man, fuck you. Like, back <laughs> in the day, like, hitting it big in, in the rock scene and only being 20 years old, that's like hitting the lottery for a band. Because so many bands yeah. want to make it, quote-unquote, um, and, and they want to do it young. You know, you want to... You quote unquote, you know, become a known band as young as possible. That way you have a Well, sometimes that can happen with certain artists and it can be a negative. Like it can be a positive, but some sometimes it can be a negative. Like with Avril Levine, like what does she do after Well she was pop. Know, I mean from the very get go. She was pop that they Yeah. You know, that whole lip ring emo skinny jean shit well, yeah, exactly. But still, I'm just saying, like, that's an example of like getting big early. Yeah, can be a detriment because then you just get typecast, and then you can't yeah. really do anything outside of. I mean, that, I, that, then... that might have happened, Evanescence. I mean, I don't. I, I think their music's not very inspired at all. I'm not a fan of it, but uh... <laughs> I, I like a decent amount of their songs. I mean, uh, I'm not like a huge, ginormous fan of theirs, but I could see why they became a Sort of, sort of a uh, series of anthems for the golf yeah. culture at the time. All right. So anyway, um, well, we have. What were your thoughts on that? On those ads? Uh, I, I just, I, I'm looking at it going like, what? 
what the fuck? I mean, you might as well have thrown Alf into it. I mean, it was just, it was such a random <laughs> casting. Like, yeah. I just, yeah, Alf it would have made actually. more sense. Uh, but I, it just, it just <laughs> made no sense. Like, why did they, why did they do that? You know, like, I don't, I don't understand um, the logic behind it. Like, I don't either. It, it just, it, like I said, it, and I don't see how I don't understand how anyone could watch those and be like, "Oh, this is a good way to get awareness for the new film." Like, are you kidding me? Like this this is an advertising. Uh, they're like, "This is a stealth advertising campaign for the new sequel." Yeah, no, no, it's not. You're the only one that's thinking that because that's fucking stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking just yeah. absolutely moronic. Give me a fucking break. That's 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 not how you advertise. A new uh, version of anything. So, um, yeah. So that's B-roll. Yeah, the original will Sadly. always be the best. You know, I like the sequel. I think it's underrated. It gets a lot of shit from people that I don't understand. That's a whole other thing. Uh, but the first two, they're the best. That you know, that that's that's honestly how it is for a lot of good franchises. I mean, for me personally, Terminator, the first two, they're the best. Yep. Uh, Alien, first two, they're the best. Predator, first two, they're the best. <laughs> Home Alone, first two, they're the best. Exactly, yeah. Didn't didn't Terminator 3 come out, like, way after the second one? Yeah, 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 a long, long time. I saw that in the theater. Yeah, anytime, um, that, anytime a movie studio has to do something like that, pull a move like that, that's an obvious cash grab, and the movie's obviously going to suck. I don't think... Well, Arnold, I mean, Arnold only did it because he got, like, a giant paycheck, I think, for it. So Yeah, like, there's no time that I think that's ever worked where they've revived... Well, here's the thing with T3. Uh, uh, there are some cool things about it. There's some... Uh, I like the acting by um, the lead... The guy who's playing John Carner. I thought he did a good job. Um, I think his last name is Stahl. Um, I, I couldn't be wrong. Uh, but I, I liked I liked his acting, and it's it's fun to see Claire Danes in a role like that in a movie like that because that's so different from what she would do afterwards. Um, Arnold wasn't that bad, and some of the action was cool because it had some actual stunt work. But I hate that I hate the fact that it's just like, well, Judgment Day was inevitable, so it basically says. The ending of T2, well, that was fucking nothing, whatever. All of that was bullshit, didn't matter, because Judgment Day was always going to happen no matter what. The franchise has never recovered from that, and I don't know why the fuck they're doing another one. They're doing another Terminator. Goddamn. Especially after Genesis, which was... an god-awful piece of shit god i loved the liquid metal guy in terminator 2 that guy was such a badass you yeah. see what they they make that less badass in genesis by making it john connor john connor is a terminator now that's the twist oh my god and he's got liquid metal as well 